Welcome back to the Healthy Scratches podcast for episode four. I'm your host today, Justin Ehrenberg. Around the table, we have Jackson Kerbel, Alex Mandarino, and Eric Cruikshank. So first, we just want to catch up on the weekend. How was your boys' weekends? Uh, I'm sick as a dog, man. <laughs> you got the you got um, the Kleenex out on the table got, and everything. I got Kleenex. I got some <laughs> sniffles. My throat's a little sore. I got a couple of my buddies from Ottawa visited me. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, a lot of a lot of cocktails were were deleted this weekend for me, and I'm starting to reap the what's the saying? Reap the. Uh, it's not the, the benefits. Rewards. We're not reaping the benefits. <laughs> it's the opposite <laughs> <laughs> benefits. Um, but yeah, consequences. I'm, uh, yeah, consequences. I'm powering through. I'm powering through. Hopefully by this time tomorrow, I'll be 100% again. <laughs> any uh, mention of any uh, cards showing up? Um, all good in that department. Figured that up today. Figured that out today. Good. Okay, you have to elaborate. No. No. All right. No. No. The, yeah. Give wow. us the cutthroat the, sign. The kill not today. switch. How about you, Amanda? How was your weekend? <laughs> not bad, not bad. Uh, I'm actually in the midst of moving next week. So oh, Monday fun. I'll be moving uh, in uh, with the lady. And so wow. uh, parents came down, did some moving. My apartment's a complete disaster, just full of boxes. So nothing too crazy. Uh, went out for a couple dinners, hit the keg on Saturday, Ooh. crushed some garlic mash, and a peppercorn uh, steak. How I, are you? I thought I had spent a lot of money. You were going <laughs> yeah. to the keg. Yeah, no, I know. What was no, a special was, that a oh. Valentine's Day It was. Day? A little late Valentine's Day action um, in terms of going out out and having some fun just kind of like enjoying the weekend but you know caught the all-star game for nba we'll jump into that um so nothing too crazy and then uh, eric we'll go to you anything exciting this wait weekend? wait first off oh oh you guys split the bill or you gift card buddy gift card. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh wow wow coming in clutch for mando right there <laughs> that's all i gotta say uh my weekend was good i i guess it actually will play into one of our first topics uh I went to the PWHL game on Friday. That's right. Um, Toronto versus Ottawa. It was really fun. It was the first time. Yeah, I know. But he puts in the chat uh, something that really just made all of us jealous, I feel like. Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. The jersey? Oh, yeah, the jersey. That was awesome. Yeah, I ended up buying a jersey. My father got one as well. Obviously, they're going to be having new logos and stuff next year. But I feel like it's kind of a cool novelty piece that... uh, if this league holds up, which it looks like by the the records they're setting already, um, that's going to be the case. That I think it'll be a cool piece to look back on um, as a part of their original history. Yeah, so uh, I mean, not much to say on my weekend. Uh, you know, ran. That was basically it. Um, <laughs> did did Cu- a couple runs, couple uh, kilometers there, bud. Yeah, uh, trying to get my body in shape for Florida. Bad boy. Uh, so. We'll see what happens there if I can actually get in, out of my dad bod into uh, Florida bod. But talking about history, um, you're the king of segues, dude. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> talking about Who was talking about history? No, no, no. Okay, that. well, okay. You know what? My my body history. <laughs> we, we go, oh, there it is. <laughs> we go dad bod to okay. So talking about <laughs> history. Talking about uh, you know record breaking things. Uh, Friday night. No one was talking about. Listen, that. listen. Friday Stay night. Stay hot, uh, kid. Yeah, we're working on it. Uh, Friday night, the PWHL Montreal team played the PWHL Toronto team in what was called the Battle on Bay Street at the Scotia Bank Arena. Toronto would go on to win the game three uh, nothing. Christian Campbell, uh, aka Soupy, uh, received Player of the Game honors for her thirty save shutout. Although that was not the biggest news of the night, as it made a professional uh, women's hockey record, setting uh, the attendance record at 19,285, 
Damn. Put into context, the Scotiabank Arena usually holds, or the official capacity is 18,800 for a hockey game, which means the uh, arena capacity for that night was 102,000 or 102%. Damn. Uh, the record has already been broken twice this season. First on January 2nd with a crowd of 8,318 with Ottawa hosting that game. Showed it to Jackson's hometown. And then on January 6th when Minnesota hosted Montreal as well and held a crowd of 13,316. Other than Minnesota, Montreal playing in all three of these record-breaking games, uh, does this surprise you guys that the PWHL is setting these records? Um, I don't know if it would. I would. I would consider it surprising. Obviously, I feel like women's hockey just has never had a platform like this, so it's it's hard to say that it's surprising. Um, but. Yeah, being the only person here who is uh, in the building, mm-hmm. I will say it's probably the <laughs> loudest that I've heard that building all season. And I've been to uh, quite a few Leaf games this year. I've been fortunate enough to be there a lot. Um, it was so cool seeing all the different like minor hockey jerseys and stuff all around the, the arena from all the different girls' teams that were around. It was really awesome. Everybody is just so happy that this is happening, it feels like. And the vibes were just a lot uh, nicer than any Leaf game I've been at, so it was it was a great time. The vibe seemed high. I know a few people, um, a few former colleagues of mine at different different sporting jobs um, had gone, uh, a couple of females specifically, and they were posting on social media just how cool the vibe was, and, and they're prominent in their fields, but, you know, it's pretty cool, like you said, Eric. Um, one cool thing to shout out, you talked about Kristen Campbell with the shutout. Um, Hannah Miller scored the second goal for Toronto and on her 28th birthday, so we're already setting some storylines for the team. But uh, in terms of, you know, if it's surprising, I agree. I don't think so. There's just a platform behind it now. I just wanted to mention that you were also in the queue trying to get our our class tickets. Uh, Like, it was hard to get tickets for this event, was it not? I think I logged in. Uh, I didn't really realize you can sit in the queue for 15 minutes before an event opens ticket-wise. I feel like that's a rookie move on my end. A little bit. Yeah, kind of wild. So I jumped in in at 4 p.m. Eastern, which is when it went live, and I was like 16,000th in queue. And another colleague of our – another – classmate of ours was in the queue like 8,000 people ahead of me and still wasn't able to get any tickets I think when he he logged in it was like standing room only so it just didn't really work but yeah so I mean good for them not good for us but good for the for the league just give a little bit more context here Uh, this is probably not the last time the record's going to be broken this year as the PWHL is going to Detroit uh, the Little Caesars Arena on March 16th uh, with a matchup between Ottawa and Boston uh, and the capacity of that arena is 19,515. Uh, so maybe they push 20,000 into the into the grandstands that night. Um, who knows? Uh, but they are also going to Pittsburgh on March 17th. Their capacity is a little bit lower, so they won't break the record that night. But do you expect the record to be broken uh, again this season for the fourth time or third time, I guess? 19,000 is a lot, man. I, I Sure, I'll say, yeah, it could be broken again. Um, but I think it's cool that it's moving to Pittsburgh and to Detroit as well. I think those are two cities that we could probably see some expansion happening in the exactly, next few seasons. Yeah. I know Pittsburgh for sure has expressed interest in wanting uh, to build a franchise there, which is just great. I mean, mm. this league is in its infancy, and there's already so many people behind it. And then we're getting more support from NHL franchises and stuff now too. Um, yeah, it's just great to see. And I know they play. They don't actually play. Sorry, in the Bell Center this year, which I think is a missed opportunity. I don't. I don't think that's a hundred percent certain yet. Uh, like, of well, course, like they, this, 
the Pittsburgh game and the Detroit game wasn't announced, and the Battle of Bay Street wasn't announced till later in the season. This wasn't something they had planned early in the season. So I think it's a very good possibility that they do play at the Bell Center at I, some point I this couldn't year. agree more. I just think it's right now, like you said, yeah. right? I, I th- think it's 21,000 in capacity, so yeah. that could easily break the record if it, it sells out, which I think you know, we you all agree could. Mean for their every everyday home arena, or just for these specialty games, the Bell Center? No, no, just for like for example, the the battle on Bay Street, like oh, just okay. having one specialty game. They play, yeah. um, they play a couple games in March. They play um, Montreal does via, uh, versus Ottawa at Place Bell, which is a ten thousand capacity, and then they play March seventeenth at PBG Paints Arena, which obviously they're not going to move. But that there's a couple opportunities they play in Montreal that they can move to. Bell yeah, Center. exactly. Right. Uh, so moving on from a little bit of history on that side to writing history in the Daytona 500. The 66th running of the Daytona 500 happened yesterday, or, well, yesterday of recording, Monday, but two days ago in post, uh, February 19th, after it was rained out on the original date, Sunday. Will Byron. Uh, some would say it couldn't have been a better script, though, because 40 years to the day, Hendrick Motorsports ran its first ever NASCAR race at the Daytona 500 as well. Uh, William Byron ended up winning the race, tying our Petty Enterprises with nine Daytona 500 wins. The race uh, early, though, saw a wreck on lap six that, you know, many people, including myself, thought maybe the day is going to see a lot of wrecks. Uh, Not very good racing. But overall, it was a very good race. The big one didn't happen until big one referring a massive car wreck uh, with I think it was like 15 cars in that one. On lap 191, um, which set up a restart on lap 197, um, where Ross Chastain, the leader of the race, uh, took the green. um, But William Byron passed him, setting up a shootout finish. Unfortunately, Ross Chastain Chastain wrecked on 199, going to the straight finish line, uh, making the race official. This was the biggest purse in motorsports history at $28 million. Damn. Um, that doesn't just go to William Byron, I will say. It goes mm. like the whole Hendrick Motorsports team, but William Byron will receive a portion of that. What's your guys' thoughts on the 66 running of the Great American Race? I'll start with Mando on this one. Oh. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Tough look for the kid. No, uh, I have a couple notes, boys. Come on. Uh so it's the first, I don't know if you had said this already, but uh, first 1-2 finish since 2013, Jimmy Johnson and Dale Earnhardt Jr. for Hendricks. Kind of cool. Um, obviously, you mentioned the 40th anniversary. I think Byron, I don't know if he's like an up-and-comer, Juddy. Uh, Byron has been an up-and-comer. He made it to the championship for last year. Mm. So like this starting the season as well. He had a great season last year, but... Um, he's only like 26. Many okay. people. Many people were like... Going into the season, was it just a one-off year? Is he going to be just as good as he was last year? Uh, starting off with the arguably the biggest race of the season, which unlike any other sport, having your biggest race of the season as the first race uh, is kind of unprecedented. Yeah, yeah, unprecedented. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you know, he is solidified as one of the superstars in the sport. Yeah, now. I mean, six. I think he won six races, series best six races yeah. last year. So obviously, like you said, starting hot. Um, didn't catch a lot of it, but. Is there often like three or four cr- like crashes? There's or more than instances? that usually oh, okay. for the Daytona right. 500. Okay. Um, they honestly kept it pretty clean, pretty good racing. Uh, like with 30 to go, they started racing three wide, um, which kind of always leads to a big wreck. Um, it's like always going to happen. Mm. Um, just a matter of when, not if. 
like I can't think of any other sport where like you just know how predictable it is that they're going to have a big crash when they get into these circumstances like you're racing three wide uh, 200 miles an hour everyone pushing everyone you're going to eventually lose the front end of your car it's going to not get the correct air that it's needed so like for a wreck for them to race for like i don't know 21 laps like in that way it's pretty pretty impressive mm. but yeah what's anyone else's thoughts on the great american race i know eric has a little bit of context to go off of with uh some nugget he found yeah i'm not a huge motorsports guy uh i do catch a little bit of f1 from time to time but nascar has never really been my bag um so something interesting that i found was that frankie muniz was uh competing for the daytona 500 if you guys remember frankie muniz from uh, malcolm in the middle fame big fat liar anybody else any cody banks unfortunately i god i might watch that tonight um so frankie muniz has actually been racing for a few years now um which is kind of interesting that he's gotten in, into that uh he finished fourth in the arca series uh last year even though he was shifting between first, second, third, um, he seems to be pretty good at it. Um, and he's also not the f- only actor to uh, get into motorsports. Let I me guess the other one. Okay. Vince Vaughn. No. He's too big. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is going to be impossible to guess, so I'm not going to make you guys go after this. Patrick Dempsey from oh, Grey's yeah. Anatomy. That's oh, a, yeah. I would never have gotten a hunk of a man. Began, he began, began racing uh, cars in 2004, and then in 2009 he launched Dempsey Racing in the Rolex Sports Car Series. Um, another big one is Michael Fassbender. Who, oh, yeah. I uh, knew that, actually. He started sports car racing in 2017, and in 2019 he started competing in the Porsche Carrera Cup. Okay. Unfortunately, uh, by the looks of things... He, I don't know if you looked at where he finished in the race. Oh, not very good. Uh, he was 38th. He was he was in the wreck on lap six. Yeah. Damn. So his shots of the Daytona 500 were came to a end pretty early. Some might argue if he was not in that crash, he would have won. Some might. Some were. <laughs> some were saying. <laughs> some were saying. I yeah. I have no idea. But regardless, I still think it's cool uh, that he's doing this. And go go Frankie. So transitioning from something that was a great uh, day in sports to something that people are just mad about in general. I feel like the NBA All-Star game, um, the final score was 211 to 186 for the East All-Stars over the West. Uh, pretty sure that, like, we asked on this podcast last week if someone was going to hit 200. I'm pretty sure that was Eric if, who asked that, if nah, I'm correct. And I answered correctly. Okay. And I, I, well, I actually bet the over. Uh, so did you? I, I, think we, I think we all said it, to crush the over. It yeah. wasn't in my student units, but I did also bet that. So I just want to ask you guys, um, what point does the NBA real at what point, sorry, does the NBA realize the product they're putting on display is not what people want to see and it has people in the sports media industry, like Stephen A. Smith, for example, on first take yesterday, saying it was an absolute travesty. I guess I can start here. I feel like I'm actually not that big of a hater of what went down this weekend. Like, I thought the skills competition was fine. The three-point contest was pretty exciting. The skills competition was a lot better than the All-Star game. Uh, the dunk contest was brutal. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. Between yeah. the judging and, like, some of the dunks were very underwhelming. Um 
big lack of creativity there. But the Steph and Sabrina thing, yeah, I thought was unreal. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that was, was the main event for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> and in looking at the game, uh, I get that people like. Do Do you really want to go to the All Star game to watch defense? Like, let's be honest. I know it's a little absurd the amount of scoring that's going on. I mean the the early two thousands, like Shaq Kobe All Star games were electric. There they was, would actually try in those games, like like charging calls. There was blocks. There mm. was like strip steals, go for dunks the other way. Like yeah, I, think I agree that this it is kind of awesome. on. It, those are awesome. This is on the most drastic scale of just like no defense at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still think there is a happy medium here. They don't care. What, yeah. what was the Scott Van Pelt tweet? It's really simple. If you don't care, neither do we. The players don't care. The fans don't care. I think there's a point to be made before you get into it, Eric, to, and not to transition to a different sport, but the NHL All-Star Weekend was a few weeks back. And what I noticed was when you have guys similar, right, uh, the Shaq and Kobe era, yeah. McKinnon and Crosby were going at it, right? Like yeah. they were they were crushing each other, like not literally, but they were going after the, the rest of the field trying to score and kind of like play defense where, you know, it's an unwritten rule not to. So I wonder if that has that same kind of like energy in terms of an NBA all-star game. Maybe there too. needs to be a cash incentive. Like like wasn't there one Yeah, there was there one was in hockey, but wasn't there one in yeah, basketball there was, a few years ago? There was when they had in place the uh Kobe Bryant rule with like 20 you need to score 24 points in the fourth quarter to win yeah, the game. Yeah, that was cool. Um, I feel like that was a lot. The defense for like the first three quarters wasn't there like every other no, all-star but game. Like but then at the end, yeah, yeah they got very up. intense. And So maybe they need to do something like that again. I feel like I know I, we get that, like, for the NBA, NBA All-Star um, nods are appointed to their legacy or, like, people look at that. And not at so much in hockey, but in NBA terms, they do look at that um, more so. And I feel like at the end of the day, you could just, like, if no one cares, I know it's a money thing for the NBA. If no one cares, though, just name them an All-Star and let them go on their vacation for the week. Because yeah. At the, like so you get named the All Star. Like Paolo Bancaro was hyped. He ma- he made his first All Star appearance. It's it's hard to do. It's the top twenty four players in the world out of a league with three hundred p- players. It's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just as soon as they get announced, yeah, it's the the game just sucks. The 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 festivities were cool. Like some of them. Like we we were we can touch on a little bit more of them. I like every the the Stefan Sabrina was awesome. First of all. Sabrina put up 26 points. So she tied the first round yeah. top four, which was what? Halliburton, Trey Young, Lillard Kat, got and yeah. Lillard. Lillard yeah. got 26 so as well. So the Cash top four. Um, she's, in the, she's in the final. She's in the fi- Yeah, she's in the final. Uh, and then obviously Steph with 29, but great event. The three-point contest was awesome. I say that's my highlight personally. I think yeah. it's fun to watch these guys drain them. It's I'd, just so like satisfying. Dame yeah. dropped the money ball to, uh, to win the game. Like, yeah. that's, you guys, that's contest there. Would you guys agree that the three-point contest has became – the highlight of the Saturday Night Skills thing. Um, I think it's overtaken. The, I, I get this, the it's slam shit. dunk gets like more hype every year, but everyone for like a floor level excitement or like, you know, expectation, mm-hmm. the three point contest delivers year in and year out, whereas the slam dunk contest gets judged and it's not so great on years. I think yeah. this was kind of like an egregious like year for judging like yeah. it, oh, was it was oh it was crazy. brutal right and like <laughs> we saw why nba players don't want to go to the slam dunk contest like, like what does john Moranto always say like you got to pay it's like he wants a million dollars or something so he, for him to participate in it that would be electric for him to be in the slam dunk contest but there's some clause that he has that he won't do it for free I do have a mm. thought about how to maybe make the slam dunk contest a little better. I think putting this, my thought in the All Star game, would be insane for injuries. 
but why not throw some trampolines in there? <laughs> put a trampoline out front I, and let these guys jump. It's like slam ball. Like we were talking at lunch, though, like jumping over someone is incredible. Yeah. But it's the fact that we've seen it year in and year out. Like it just gets boring to the to the human eye and they want to see something new. But jumping over Shaq cannot go like no. silent. Like it has to be like Matt McClung or Mac McClung. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't even touch Shaq mm-hmm. when he jumped over him, mm-hmm. which is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he's got bunnies. In the background there was Sniffles. White, white boy got bunnies. <laughs> All right. I have a pretty crazy stat here from the All-Star game. Here we go. So the East had a combined 97 three-point attempts. Oh, yeah. Oh, my in the God. Game. Yeah. And so kind of remarkably, they made 42 of them. <laughs> yeah. So they shot 43%. <laughs> decent efficiency there. Um, they shot 31 more than last year's team Giannis, who had the most, um, with 66. And then on top of that, it's the most three-point attempts in a single game by a team ever. Wow. The second most is the Houston Rockets, who had 70 on January 16, 2019. James Harden had 58 points, um, but combined with Gerald Green to go 10 of 34. On three-pointers. Uh, on three-pointers. Oh, my God. And the team collectively went uh, 23, 23 of 70. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's – I mean, you see – I mean, Dan was hitting them, but, like, the half-court ones. Those yeah. were those I were exciting, Lucas, I think. Lucas, yeah, Lucas, Lucas like, three, right yeah, to Dan's. that Dames. was ridiculous. Yeah. And it went off the backboard clunk. Yeah, that's essentially what it is now. It's who can hit the har- farthest three-pointer and, and get the nicest dunk. Cat was, like – it felt like every there was a sequence where – because I think he should have won MVP. Um, oh, yeah. Anthony over Ta- Dame. Anthony yeah. yeah. Didn't Dame uh, have the most points? No, no. A cat had over f- or he had had 50. 50 or over 50. Points? 50 yeah, points. but because uh, he's on the losing team, they gave oh. it to Dame. Mm. Um, but I felt like every time he was going on a fast break, he was doing some crazy dunk. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know he had that in him. I I think that Carl uh, Anthony Towns, he's got a very strange Mo- mobility yeah. about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. His, his figure's not like a typical figure <laughs> yeah. like, that you see. Like he's, he's kind of like a man who drains threes too. Yeah. Well, he's like a Jokic almost. Yeah. Like yeah. him and Jokic are like. Mm-hmm. I, I I would put Embiid in that group, but I don't feel like Embiid's as mobile as those two. Yeah, I um, would agree. So I, I like Cat moving on the floor is just like crazy to think like a seven foot guy like doing this or six eleven. I forget what he is or se- he's either six eleven or seven feet. But just someone that big and tall, able to do the things with their body that <laughs> they can do on the on the court is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, switching it up to golf, uh, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, former Masters champion of 2021, is the first Japanese player uh, to w- to win the tournament. Um, the tournament. Yeah. Uh, but on Sunday, he did something even better. Uh, not even better, but, you know, uh, winning the Guinness uh, Inventational. Um, Genesis. Genesis. Jeez. Genesis. World Genesis. Tough. World records. Genesis. Tough, wow. Bro. Guinness. Genesis. The beer? Uh, yeah. Rivalry. I was thinking I had a beer on my mind. Uh, Genesis Inventational, which gave him the most tour wins uh, for an Asian player at nine. Um, he came into the day six back of the lead. Uh, ended the day with a sh- three-shot lead, shooting 62, under nine for the round, and under 17 for the whole tournament. 
Um, was it one of the best Sunday's comebacks ever in golf history? I would say statistically there are there definitely are better comebacks. Like you look at, I think it was Justin Thomas in 2022. He was down seven. And then um, Paul Lowry in uh, the Open uh, in 1999, I think it was. He was 10 shots back. So there are statistically better comebacks. But there, it's still a historic day for uh, a number of reasons. Like just considering the amount of injuries that Hideki's gone through the past uh, mm-hmm. few mm-hmm. years. He hasn't won a major, I think, since 2022. Um, or an event, rather, since 2022. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But now we're we're looking at a guy whose career needs to be, I think, considered among the greatest of all time. Like, uh, he's won. How many majors does he have? He has nine majors. Nine. Most. Uh, he has uh, nine mo- majors. Most for an Asian-born player. That's, yeah. That's after what, this weekend. That's what I said in the context. Yeah, he might stay hot. <laughs> stay hot. <laughs> Crooksy might have a point there. Yeah. I I mean I did say Guinness instead of Genesis, so like. Um, and we talked about uh, how he's now the mo- the winningest Asian-born player in tour history. The previous guy, KJ Choi um, of South Korea, he's actually still playing some good golf. He's playing on the Champions Tour, which is like the tour for uh, golfers who are 50 plus. And they were showing, they're briefly like showing uh, highlights from that tournament throughout the weekend. Although it got shut down by rain, uh, it, KJ Choi actually finished 15th, so he's st- he's still balling. But for Matsuyama in this particular, obviously great comeback, but finishing or posting a 9-under 62 was the lowest closing round at that country club. Pretty sweet. Um, And then just, I mean, obviously winning the Masters. I did some digging on that particular uh, day. So um, Matsuyama won the Masters in 2021, but his final round, he actually posted a a 1-over, which is kind of a crazy stat. Like posting over uh, par and then winning that specific day um, is pretty wild. And then obviously, just for fun, I kind of looked up his master's dinner. Um, Japanese Wagyu Ooh. for the main. Yeah, wow. fellas, hate to. Uh, I don't think it's nine. Hate to do Isn't this. That the year? Yeah. Is that he's the won, year after? He's won nine tour victory. He's won nine tournaments, not majors. Okay. Oh that's yeah, a big yes, yes. That's so a very sorry, big my, that's my fair. Bad. Yeah, majors obviously being the major four. He, w- he would be uh, tied with Ben Hogan victories. if it was nine majors, no. which is one of the greatest yeah. of all time. But he did win. So he's not one of the greatest. Okay, the sorry, my bad. He won nine. It's a, it's nine very, tour. It's a very large difference. Not my grandma's not, won nine. <laughs> really? Wow! <laughs> really? Wow! <laughs> the guy off the street that I saw on Pape Avenue. Was, How many has have won, you won? Has won nine PJ tournaments. If she's won nine, you must have won. Dude, there was a span between like 2016 and 17 where he won like five PGA Tour events, and then he got hurt, and then he came back, and then he won yeah. the Masters, Masters, and then now he's back. Yeah. I think this dude, if he gets hot, could be another uh, sneaky pick for the Masters. Is it just the one major he's won? I thought it was two, but it might be one. Okay, fellas. What are we doing here? Nine to one? <laughs> Man, Man. I, I got it wrong. I I said majors instead of I wasn't going to call you on that, but I, I figured it was nine events, not nine majors. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was my He's bad. He's only 31. I, That'd be kind of I wild. apologize to Jackson, who is going to, you know, stay hot. Um, He's tied with Dick Burton. Anyone, <laughs> heard, anyone heard of him? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> when did he play? In 1939. Yeah, not heard of around these uh, generations. All right, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> stay hot. S- yeah, stay hot. Uh, <laughs> moving to goals, goals, goals uh, with Austin Matthews. 49 goals now in 53 games on a pace for 75. Last time uh, 70 goals were reached uh, was the 1992 season. Can you guys name those players? Lemieux? No. no. 
It's uh, Timu Solani. Yep. Alexander McGillney. Yeah. yeah. Caleb Mew's both, not a terrible guess. Both scored 76 goals. Uh, Timu, obviously, in his, his rookie. rookie season. Um, but the last highest person to hit, uh, or the last active person with the highest goal total is in 2007, 2008, with Alexander Ovechkin at 65. So the question I have for you guys is, will he hit 70 this year? Oh, yeah. He's going to smash 65. He might get that next week. Um, <laughs> next week. No, he's. I think 70 is <laughs> almost certainly a lock now. I think 80 is in the conversation. 80. 80. 80 games. I think, I think 75. 75 is his pace. He has, he's also yeah. missed one game. Yeah, so there's 28 games remaining for the Leafs. He's at 49, 31 goals in 28. I mean, it's not crazy. 31 goals in 28 <laughs> games is crazy. That Listen, is he, he, is, crazy. he is hot he's, right now. He's averaging that already this he's season. Seven game or seven goals in the last three games. Yeah, so if the, that rate stays. The one thing I will say is he can go a few games without scoring and then get a hat trick. Right? And then get, so that's the one thing that four he has straight going for him. Two back, so two separate uh, consecutive. How am I going to say this? He's gotten <laughs> two games in a row. He's scored a hat trick twice this season. Damn. If that makes sense. That's so six goals so for the kids at home. So twice he's yes. had consecutive hat tricks. That's what I writ- wrote down. I did not look at my notes. I tried to pull that out so of my had, head. Eric nailed. He's it. had twelve goals in four games over the course of the season. You can say basically. that. Yeah, you can definitely say that too. So that what's math. that? Um, like, but that's like. Like Eric said, though, that he's pace got is it, pretty ridiculous. He's got it in his back to. pocket; like he can pull out a hat trick. Like he's, he's doing got it six times this year. Like I think he's getting seventy. So I think that's for sure. This isn't just one of the best seasons by Maple Leaf, arguably the best. This is arguably one of the best seasons of hockey ever. I think that we're seeing right now. Um, like if you, I don't know if anyone saw like the era adjustment mm, um, right. for goal scoring and stuff. He's on pace to have the second best goal scoring season of all time. Behind Brett Hall. It's crazy. Um, Anyone know what it is? I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this, and I disagree. I'll just Ooh. state that. I know you're going for heart uh, conversation right now, and with all due respect. I'm ready right now if you want to do this. I'm ready. I'm ready for like. Yeah, get, get ahead. Get ahead, Justin. I'm just. I think you're wrong, but go ahead. Uh, do you know who I'm going to say? For the heart? Yeah. You're going to say Nathan McKinnon because you're from Nova Scotia. No, not Nikita because I'm Kucherov. from Nova Scotia. Coochie Woochie? No, I'm saying Nathan McKinnon. Okay, he's going back. Okay, realistically, is the Toronto Maple Leafs team not better uh, overall talent-wise than the Colorado Avalanche? No. Mm. Who won the fuck? Who, who won the Stanley <laughs> oh Cup last yeah. year? Yeah, they got you, him. Were, are you no, just they didn't to, win the Stanley two, Cup. Two years ago. Two years ago. Are you trying to argue that the Avalanche are worse than the Maple Leafs right now? Yes. That's no, a tough bro. one. No. That's a tough one. Without I don't Nathan agree. McKinnon, if you take Nathan McKinnon off that roster, what do you have? Bro, if you take Austin yeah. Matthews off you the roster. You still have a playoff team. You ha- you still have one of the best teams know. in the league without McKinnon. You don't have you don't have a great team without McKinnon. Rantanen? McCarr? Rantanen? McCarr? <laughs> Devin Tate. Okay, so you have those three players. You have the core four plus um, – Okay, so dude, I mean, you can do the on paper thing, but the team itself has not performed as well as the Avalanche have. Yeah, I would say so. Way better. McKinnon has had to carry the Avalanche more this season than what Austin Matthews. I would totally disagree. I would also totally disagree. I don't know. It's it's pretty compelling considering the fact that when you consider how Matthews has been playing defensively. Yeah, as well, like he's already like a top five candidate for the Selkie. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. he's gonna score. 
what 70 goals that's like a unicorn that's something that we've never seen in the league nathan mckinnon's what gonna score 140 points okay and 50 this is this is the other thing that i love right because kucherov is the the heavy favorite for the uh um yeah the heart the heart yeah right Um, i don't think he's a heavy favorite last time i checked nathan mckinnon was pretty close with him um well, I can I could be wh- see if I can whip up the odds here. Real oh, quick. sorry, Keep sorry. Talking. McKinnon, McKinnon is the favorite. Yeah, McKinnon. Um, the last time I checked, was I, the favorite. I think Kucherov's being—he's not receiving as much love as I think. People no, I don't think be he him. is. Uh, but McKinnon has 91 points in 56 games. Uh, Matthews does not have anywhere near that. How many of them are secondary assists? How many are secondary assists? I do not know off the top of my head. McKinnon is plus he 175. Does Kucherov is plus two forty. He does have he does have fifty eight assists on the season, thirty three goals, and fifty six games. Four is a plus fourteen on the year. Um, I don't care about plus minus. I I know, but I'm just putting that out there. I'm going to give you just a quick. So I I agree with Jackson and Eric on this, but I'll give you a bit of context here, Justin. Eric and I were actually pondering a little bit about this in in class prior. Um, there's not a lot of like any time a player has scored seventy more. Uh, 70 goals or more in a season. It's about 50-50, give or take, that they actually win the heart. So in um, 92-93, McGillney and Timu Solani had 76 goals each, and Lemieux won uh, the heart. Now he put up 160 points in 60 games. That's insane. Esposito, 70-71, had 76 goals. Bob Yor won with 139 points. Brett Hall in 89-90 had 72 and he had 70 goals in 91-92. Messier won both of those years with 129 and 107, respectively. I I think there's a case for he puts up 140, 150 points, and the fact that McKinnon, to my knowledge, has never won the heart. No, I feel he like the, the media the and, and, and all the individuals that vote will actually pick him just for that reason. I still think if Matthews puts up 75 points... Goals, and goals. goals, excuse me, 70, 75 points would be, I wouldn't even have him on the Mid. team. He's, he's at, goals he's at 73 right now. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. So you know how we were talking about, uh, or how I was talking about secondary assists? Yeah, how many secondary assists does he have? 29. Second most in the league, he has 91 points. Kucherov so, would so probably have a lot too, though. He, uh, Kucherov he, he has also, 23. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, McKinnon had 29? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. So he also has 34 power play points. And that's... That would be a part of the secondary assists, though. Like, we, I don't know how many secondary assists on the power play he has. Um, but he is also averaging 23 minutes of ice time, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, Kucherov's got to be around the same. Time on ice, let me see. Time on ice. He's, he's up there. Like, I get saying Matthews for Hart, but I do think that Nathan McKinnon has to be the – end all favorite right now. I think no. we'll have to And he is. Yeah, I mean yeah, Draft right, right now so is. what is yeah, right now it is, but when Matthews has seventy goals at the end yeah. of the year. What yeah. is okay, so what is Matthews odds on the heart right now? Plus uh, four fifty. Yeah, he's mm. fourth. And McDavid's ahead of him. It's plus one seventy five McKinnon, plus two forty Cooch, plus three twenty McKin- uh, McDavid, and plus four fifty AM. And so looking at the records right now, six fifty six games in for the Avalanche and 54 for the Maple Leafs. Records are 34, 18, and 4 for the Colorado Avalanche and 30, 16, and 8 for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. I mean, records are pretty close to each other, so you don't really have an argument there. They both are the same. All that really I have is 
McKinnon, I feel like watching him this season, has had to do more for that team than what Matthews has had to do for. Other than the fact that he's putting the puck in the back of the net. The most important thing yeah. to do. The most important Most statistic. valuable stat for a team. Yeah. Right? Like, McKinnon's I mean. McKinnon's also been a, like, I don't want to say he's, like, one of the best 200-foot players, but he is good at playing defense. I don't know, man. Like, none of the other four or five favorites are even in, like, top five in um, voting for Selkie. Selkie. Yeah. Um, Matthews is second in primary points this season, 63 behind Kucherov, 71. Um, What's Nathan McKinnon in that stat or category? I don't have it in front of me. Okay. But the the biggest argument was Kucherov for a lot of people, so that's why I was... Yeah, like it's n- it, right now the race is between Kucherov and Nathan McKinnon. So if if McKinnon gets 130 points, but I think finishes he's getting more than that. Okay, how many points do you think he's going to get? I think he's going to get between 140 to 150. Okay, so let's say he gets 145 points and 40 of them are secondary assists. And Matthews finishes with a hundred points, but he gets seventy-five goals. What would you What would you say is the more valuable player? I don't think it's just secondary assists, though. I mean, it like I, I agree that it's not just secondary assists, and it and it boils down to a lot more than that. But I just think it's such a important thing to I look at. I do get where Can, you're coming from. Yeah. I I do get where you're coming from, but I think at the end of the day, um. The media is also going to give love to Nathan McKinnon, I feel like. Like Alex said, he's never won a heart. This would be the year for him to win the heart. Like, I just I don't see a scenario where we have the first 70-goal season in like 30 years and the guy doesn't win the, the MVP. The one thing I did not look up is did Alex Ovechkin win the heart with the 65-goal season in 2007-2008? I don't know. That would be something interesting. 06, 07, to, you said? No, 07, 08. Um, it's something interesting to know because then you'd be talking like in what Eric said. Because like, it was Ovechkin, pretty much did. unanimous, ninety-seven point nine nine percent vote. I'm sure. So that's sixty-five goals. Um, I don't know how many points that year. Um, maybe he won the Art Ross. One hundred twelve points. He probably, maybe him or Crosby won the Art Ross that year. But like, if Nathan McKinnon completely if he beats him by 40 some points he won oh my god <laughs> he won the heart the pearson the richard and the ross yeah always, always so so that's yeah. a different season that's a completely different season what's the pearson austin matthews is not going to win the art ross trophy sure all right that will be either nathan mckinnon connor mcdavid or nikita kucherov yeah so it's not as great of a season as Alexander Ovechkin in 2007-2008. Wait, my fault, guys. What's the difference between the Ross and the Hart? The, the Hart is the MVP. MVP. <laughs> the Art <laughs> Ross is the most points by a player in a season. Whoever scored the most points. Gotcha. Okay. And is there... Is Ovechkin there did win so, that, so, the Hart so that year. Matthews isn't going to get that because he just doesn't get enough assists. Yeah. But he's going to win the Hart and the Richard. Yes. And maybe the Selkie. I, I don't maybe the Ted Lindsay. Himself. Maybe oh, the Ted Lindsay. And Juddy just agreed that that Matthews will win the heart. That's crazy. I, d- I said I don't think he's winning the Selkie. Ju- I also think some some players actually. Who most do you think's winning the Selkie? Uh, I think Barkov's up there. One of my one of my favorites for Selkie, even though he hasn't played as many games this year, um, would be Nico Heischer. 
I think he's oh, one yeah. of the best defensive he, he players. He gets it like league. every year. He, he no, he gets a nomination. Yeah, he's up there. Sorelli's a good player. He'll never make it up there, but he he's a good two-way center. I, I think Suzuki's up there. I think we have to move on from this because it's a never-ending so. discussion. We'll have to keep an eye out for but this, though, by I, the end yeah, of the year. Yeah, this is, is going to be a, Matthews for heart. a topic Hashtag that just Matthews keeps on. For heart. A story that just keeps on giving. I might bet it right now just because you're pissing me off. Yeah. I mean, plus 450 is pretty <laughs> juicy. Yeah. Just go do it then. We'll do it live pot right, right now. Where's my phone? <laughs> do it. How much How much are you putting on it, though? I'll throw a tenner on it. Attaboy. To win what? 45? 45? 55? Attaboy. 45, 55. Maybe profit. 45 profit. Mm-hmm. Segway us along. Yeah, so, sticking, so with, with sticking with hockey... Um, the stadium series happened Saturday night and Sunday afternoon with two different games. The, the Philadelphia Flyers and the New Jersey Devils played at MetLife Stadium. Um, Nico Heischer opened up the scoring in the New Jersey Devils game, scoring 32 seconds into the game. It was kind of all Devils after that point, uh, even though the Flyers tried to push back. The Devils would go on to win the game 6-3, uh, the Saturday night under the lights attendance was 70,328, but it was a different story on Sunday afternoon as it was a New York classic between the Rangers and Islanders, this time in front of 79,690 people with people like Saquon Barkley in attendance. Uh, Eric Gustafson uh, started the game scoring at 128, but then the Islanders would storm back scoring four goals unanswered until the Rangers uh, would make it a 4-3 game late in the second period. But the Islanders came out strong in the third period, regained the two-goal cushion, making it a five-goal, 5-3 game. Um, and the Rangers would eventually tie the game with a minute 30 left in regulation. Uh, Temi Panarin would eventually score the overtime winner 10 seconds into the classic between the New York Rangers and Islanders. So overall, what's your guys' thoughts on the uh, stadium series games and the environment? I'll start with Curbs on this one. I uh, I watched only the one, the Islanders-Rangers game. That ending was electric. My goodness. I me. had money on the Rangers. Yeah, attaboy. I didn't know which way to go. Panarin, my hero. Yeah, no, they were down 5-3 Panarin, late. Panarin, my hero. That's a good one. They go. were down 5-3 late. Goalie pulled for both goals to go down one and tie the game um, against a pretty good goalie in Soroka and getting those late goals. Yep, definitely. And then they end up winning in overtime. So, yeah, nice bet, Eric. Thanks. No, it's going to be another good bet is that AM for Hart. Anyways. And, um, yeah, he did lay down that bet just to clarify. I did. Yeah. It's it's in the bet slip. Speaking of the Rangers, though, <laughs> they the Rangers have played five outdoor games. They're undefeated in all of them. Yes. So let's just keep uh, that in mind if you want to throw them in seven years when they get their next the, one. Um, Peter Laviolette? to stay Yes, Peter Laviolette. Got him. He was 0-4 in uh, previous games, getting his first outdoor win. So a reporter asked him, like, you know, the Rangers are 4-0 and before, now they're 5-0 and in outdoor games. You're 0-4. Uh, do you think you're going to bring a bad curse? And he basically said, you know, I hope not, but uh, I've had bad luck in these games before. Um, Eric, your thoughts on the game, though? Um, or games, I guess? Uh, I thought it was pretty sick. Um, the the jerseys I wasn't too hot on to start, I Came around to liking the Rangers ones. Rangers, I thought, was the best I ones. think that my favorite of the yeah. four. Yeah, and I came around 
to kind of liking the Flyers a little bit. Okay. I th- I'm w- I don't know. I'm still on the fence about it, but not Devils. Not not really. Um, I don't think like black and red it stands out really together. But mm-hmm. um, a big a big storyline from that game. <laughs> Owen Tippett is just nasty. He dude. is. He had two goals in that game. Mm-hmm. He's unbelievable. I can't believe they signed him to that deal for long term. He's going to be a star. And he came over from Florida in the Claude Giroux trade. So yes, sir. That is a that's a uh, that's a sleeper draft. I think he was drafted tenth overall in the 2018 draft. Um, Erie Otters. Oh, is he? He was on the Erie Otters. Oh, nice. Um, oh man, he's making oh six two. Yeah, he's six two for the next eight. I'm pretty sure now. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a it's a great deal for Philadelphia. Oh yeah, um, I think Torts loves him too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, um, yeah. First-hand uh, knowledge, you know that? No, not first-hand knowledge, but just general public knowledge. Um, it seems like 2017 he's a draft. Not oh, 2017 draft, but tenth overall. Did Fun, I get that? Yeah, and what? Fun fact for the uh, Rangers and Islanders game too. Um, Matthew, I don't know if it's Remp Rempy. Oh, Ma- Rempy. First player to make his NHL debut in a stadium <laughs> series dropped the gloves with Matt Martin like a minute and a half in. warrior. Didn't even drop the puck in the and he was already so in the NHL fight. That's unreal. We love to see that. And then I just want to talk about the fits real quick pregame. Um, <laughs> that's a big part of the stadium series. I have for a, three of the four teams <laughs> I have available. A problem with that. So before we get, I'll pass the, the mic to you, Justin. Um, so obviously the, the the Devils going in in the Rocky outfit, gray sweatsuit. No. Flyers, yeah. Flyers. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's whoa. That's that a was tough look for the kid. <laughs> that was staying Sopranos hot look from the Devils. <laughs> they came in looking like you know where Rocky was. Apparently, filmed, I don't, buddy. I might just <laughs> get up and leave. <laughs> Philadelphia team walking in in the Rocky outfits. Uh, New Jersey Devils to Foley specifically looking like a Sopranos character. All of them coming in Sopranos gear, and then both New York teams coming in with members of the NYPD. Um, and then obviously the New York Rangers dressing up a little bit, and the Islanders coming in looking like the New York Islanders because Lou Lamorello won't let them have any fun. You hate to see that. That's the one thing I, I you kind of, this is the time to have them excited. And it's unfortunate that they didn't get a chance to kind of participate um, like the other guys and the other teams, but it's, it's great. Um, yeah. You have some thoughts, Justin. I want to pass the mic over to you. Uh, just, I want to quickly just say like, come on, like they're, they're <laughs> going there. This is no, no, no. Huh? Like, <laughs> Come on, like this is an outdoor game. You're supposed to have fun with it. The walk-ins are supposed to be fun. Yeah. And we saw nothing. It was business as usual for the Islanders, and it's just it it was just frustrating to see. Like that's why I mentioned in the group, it looks like it'd be fun to play for the Islanders. Um, it mm-hmm. wasn't like a shot at the Islanders. It was just like. No, I'll I'll on. I'll back you up on this. Say it with your chest. Crazy. I just want to say I, I don't like on. the Islanders either. Uh, no, I don't mind the Islanders. That's not the problem. It's just like participate in the fun around the stadium series like everyone else dressed up they're a notoriously boring franchise especially <laughs> in like it's, <laughs> i'm just saying that because lou Morello is their general manager i know right like these there's no way age. there's no way that um there's anyone else behind this but him Oh, like no, no. I, they, I feel yeah, like they can't even have beards, bro. Yeah, like, they, they're, I, they're, I don't they understand. Clean shaved, clean shaved to walk into that organization. I've been to it. I don't know if anyone else has been to a stadium series game or an outdoor game. I went to the 2012, or excuse me, 2022 Heritage Classic. So Toronto versus Buffalo in uh, Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. Um, that was awesome. It's for the it's for the people going. It's not necessarily for the people that are watching, but the fact of 
having all these uh, team members walk in in specific year, like that's for the fans, right? And it's fun to be able to participate those. I had a great experience. It was chilly. It was snowing for a bit. It was awesome. It's when Matthews, I think, cross-checked Darlene, got suspended yep. for a couple. Yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, good game. But, I mean, so it's great for the fans when you don't show out like the Islanders, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to. It's, it's tough. You know, yep. you miss out on an experience. So uh, I know we've gone on a little bit longer than today. Uh, we still have a couple more topics, but instead of – expand across them i just want to like quick mention them um and get your guys like you know five second opinion on them uh so during the first second or first intermission it was announced that the all-star game will be held in 2026 which is surprising in itself but in long island your guys' thoughts on the location great city i'm sure uh the stars will be out um i just wish it was in madison square garden also, just a real quick fun fact, just a question. Uh, only three teams, including Columbus, who have never had an outdoor game. You guys want to guess the other two? San Jose? Uh, Ottawa. No, I thought San Jose also. Apparently, they've had one. Oh, uh, I know. Ottawa played a team. Anaheim? Two, two warm teams. Anaheim? No. Tampa? Arizona? Arizona is one. And where's the other Florida team? Oh, Tampa? Oh, the, the Panthers. No, Panthers. Tampa, the Panthers. Yeah. They're in the uh, near, <laughs> near Miami. <laughs> he said Yeah, Tampa I think Sunrise. Uh, yeah, so Florida and Arizona, fun fact. And then obviously now Columbus getting one. So, Yeah, and I think Mando had a quick little hitter on a Canadian event that happened. Yeah, so on Thursday, uh, there was a – I mean, I have to pull up the details specifically. Um, but basically, Canada sprints to double gold on the opening day of the World Speed Skating Championships in uh, in Calgary. Um, the men's set a world record, and the women's came in first as well and beats the United States. So just shout out speed skating. Um, that was a Calgary event. Obviously, winning that kind of thing at home is pretty exciting. Um, so just wanted to shout that team out and uh, give a little love to the to the people in the in Canada. Yeah, and just a quick little note before we wrap up uh, today, um, Matthew Slater. Of Patriots special team icon, arguably one of the best special team players of all year. And no, this is not a biased opinion. Uh, you you can argue it, but it's not. He might be the goat special teams guy. Uh, he announces retirement today after playing 16 seasons, 10 Pro Bowl selections, five first team All Pro selections, and three Super Bowls. Uh, even though this was expected, um, it will still be a massive loss for the Patriots, and it was an incredible career for Slater. I mean, Eric, you you were chirping there. Yeah. Chirping with silen silence over there. Yeah, pardon my ignorance. Do people normally care about special teams, guys? When he's the GOAT, yes. He's okay. the first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes. Okay. For a, a special question. teams player. It's not even a question. Oh, Eric, player? I, don't know. I thought we were, I thought you said a coach. No, no, no. Dude, you don't know Matthew Slater? Player. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even hear what we were talking player. about. Stay hot, kid. Okay. Wow. Stay hot on the topic. Anyway, that wraps up today's episode of Healthy Scratches. Yes, sir. Woo. Yay. See ya.